Hello, hello. Welcome to Crash Course Fashion. I'm your host, Brittany Sierra. And on this podcast, we explore the multifaceted and often complicated reality of building and scaling a purpose-driven brand. In each episode, we get into the nitty gritty of what it truly takes to build a fashion brand that prioritizes people, planet, and profit. And true to the name, in each episode, we share crash course lessons and actionable takeaways that you can apply to your sustainability strategy right now. In today's episode, I'm chatting with Julia Gall, who is the style director at Marie Claire Magazine. I've always really, really liked talking with Julia because she does not shy away from having real conversations about the gray areas that surround sustainability and fashion. In this episode, we'll be talking about the role of media in fighting greenwashing and how she balances her personal ethos of sustainability with the capitalist needs of a fashion magazine. And if pitching the media and getting press is something that you struggle with, she'll also be sharing her best tips on how to pitch your sustainable fashion brand to the media. I'm incredibly excited for this conversation, so let's just dive right in. Here's my chat with Julia. So you're back in New York for New York Fashion Week. How does it feel to be back in the city and doing the Fashion Week song and dance? Well, listen, like, you know, I have been in Newport, Rhode Island for basically most of the past year. Mm -hmm. So I've been back, back and forth between here and a few other cities. And I've traveled like just a little bit and it's fine. I think you kind of like, if you're kind of removed from like, I guess, seeing a lot of people on the daily grind, if you're not going back to an office, it might be a bit jarring to kind of see everybody like out and about. Everybody's kind of like 50-50 when it comes to masks and things. So like on the streets alone, it's just kind of like, well, you're like, it's a lot of people and you know, what is it safe? Are we doing this? Da, da, da. And like, it's kind of like that for shows too. Like it really does feel like we've just proceeded as usual and you know, I think a little bit of like the show seating is a bit tight, like tighter mm-hmm. than usual. And I think people are trying to be mindful about how many, you know, bodies are in a room or, you know, seated, you know, together in proximity and stuff like that. But for the most part, it's kind of the same. So, but like, we're all different. So like, yeah. I feel like it is a real balance of like picking and choosing where you want to give that energy to, because it is kind of a lot at once for sure. I know personally, I've been kind of selective about what I want to do, but, uh, and also making sure I take time to kind of like not push it, not overdo it socially and things like that. Cause it does kind of eat away at you and your energy for sure. Yeah. I've been watching a lot of people's stories on Instagram and I haven't seen that many, <laughs> that many masks. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember seeing though, that in order to get into this year's shows, you have to have proof of vaccination. So maybe people are just feeling more comfortable. I mean, I think for most shows, that's the case. There are a few that hasn't, it hasn't been as such, but like you kind of forget cause it's kind of like you send in your card beforehand for the invite and then, mm-hmm. or you're, they check it out the door. But for the most part, I've just been kind of wearing a mask personally, just cause I'm like, I don't know. It just feels like a lot for me. Yeah. Um, so soon, but it does it, because it feels so normal. I think it, you kind of forget sometimes. And then you're like, wait, like pandemic, we're still doing this. And like, <laughs> yes, exactly. And hoping for the best getting to, I've, I've already gotten tested here. I've been fine. And nice. I'm going to, I guess, kind of continue that as I go, because I am on to 
Milan and Paris. I'm not doing oh, London, wow. which is good. It's a good like reset there. Yeah. Um, but Milan and Paris seem to be happening. I, I still feel it's kind of tentative just because like every day it feels sort of different. But mm -hmm. so far, that's that's the course. I think right now it does still feel like a tiny bit rushed in my opinion. But, mm -hmm. you know, I've been to things and it's been nice to see people. But I also feel like the past year, like my mindset and my relationship to fashion has changed a bit more. I think just, you know, kind of seeing and being more exposed to like, you know, the problems that really kind of plague the industry. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's hard to kind of take it for face value again. So that's just something I'm kind of, you know, kind of coming to my own terms with. And I think just being, you know, not just being aware and being understanding of like who you really want to give your energy and time to just, you mm -hmm. know, brand wise, and also like, you know, people wise, too, especially after, you know, a, a whole chunk of time without seeing anybody for a while. It, it, it feels like you really are evaluating much more than usual. Oh, for sure. For sure. You know, I feel like it's a lot like opening Pandora's box. Once you open it and everything is out in front of you, it's nearly impossible to put it back, you know? And now that you have this additional perspective, it's, it's really hard to just go back to looking at it the way that you did before. Totally. This actually reminds me of when I first met you, which was a few years ago now, which I can't believe time has gone by that fast but it was a few years ago and you had just finished a personal project a personal challenge of monitoring your plastic consumption which then sparked your interest in conscious living and inspired you to not only challenge yourself but to also challenge your industry peers and friends to be more mindful as someone that works in media and works in fashion, how do you balance that, like your personal ethos, with the needs of, you know, fashion and working in media and the need for affiliate links and ads and pushing consumption and driving sales and all of that? How do you manage and how do you how do you balance your values with the needs of the publication? This is a very good question and something that I am working through pretty much every day. And I think like, you know, even in the past year and a half, I would say that pe people have been working actively to understand what's going on in the business. And I think everyone's mindset and also consumers mindsets have changed dramatically. Like I think, you know, I'm sure you can kind of relate to and just sort of the interest and you know, people sort of knowing like, hey, this actually, we can't, this isn't sustainable and not in the term of like calling something environmentally friendly or green, mm -hmm, but in the mm -hmm. fact that like, we cannot continue to sustain, the planet can't, con you know, continue to sustain mm -hmm. the amount we're producing, the amount we're consuming and all of the above. So I do think it's a good time for us to sort of, you know, take inventory of this, but you know, it is difficult when you are part of, you know, as, as media, it's my job as a journalist to really report on the news and what's going on, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that has to be coming from the runway specifically. And I think that nowadays, you know, you have way, way, way more options than just going into the mall and seeing what's available, you know, on a rack from any old store that's there. I think Right now, the options for resale have been, you know, exploding everywhere. And I think brands even themselves are trying to jump in on this, like, you know, Madewell's doing a whole program with ThreadUp and about, you know, with used jeans, which is amazing because, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. that everyone loves a Madewell jean and, you know, they've had the, the take back program for a long time. So, 
you know, I think that is a great step forward from a brand perspective. I know coach has been doing that with their bags as well. So I think that, you know, people are catching up to this brand specifically and know that there is a consumer need and that consumers are leading with values for sure, like probably more than ever. So I do think we're poised to shift and change. However, you know, you kind of want to see how, what that means for business, right? Because as much as like, I always want to kind of be headstrong about my values and, you know, where I'm, you know, consuming is sort of the root of the problem. But I do think that there are smarter ways to consume and still be able to participate in shopping and fashion and also make sure we're bolstering this business that obviously employs me, employs a ton of other people, and obviously millions of people. And, you know, I think that you do have to keep in mind it is a business, but it doesn't mean that overproduction, overconsumption is going to be the way this business will sustain itself because that is, we all know, truly not possible. So for me, I kind of think about sustainability and style and shopping in a way that we can balance all of these things. Like if you, we talk about, you know, personal style is inherently sustainable. I think that, you know, talking about longevity and how to wear something far exceeds you know, what's a trend right now. And like trends will always exist. It's just what's in the ether and obviously being like more mindful and green and, you know, shopping vintage is super, like, I would say trendy, but like it is what's on, you know, on everyone's tongues and everyone's talking about it and looking at it. So it definitely is a trend, but I don't think we have to like say something's in or out. I think it's like, obviously a silhouette that works with your body type is always going to be fashionable to you. And I don't think we have to think of it being as like, that's not in that's, you know, it's bad or whatever. I think it's like, think about what you own, think about the most classic things and think about what other things you can pepper into, you know, to style with, you know, style them. And I think we're talking about that a lot in media right now. And that's something at Marie Claire that like, I really want to focus on a lot more too, just because, you know, you're still going to want to shop and you're still going to want the idea of new, but let's figure out ways to do it that aren't just, you know, again, buying more and more and more. So I definitely think that there's, and like I said, there's also like talking about taking care of your things, talking about purchases that will last you a very, very long time, because the more you wear something, the longer and happier life it has. But also like if you can take care of it, it either can, you know, serve you for a very long time or be able to be served by somebody else in this afterlife. So I definitely think that there are a lot of pillars that we kind of forget about in terms of like, you know, covering fashion and consumption that, you know, are inherently sustainable. So I think we're really leaning into that right now. That's something that I would really love to see because you're right, there's so much that could be talked about when it comes to fashion and style that doesn't have to do with shopping the latest trend or what celebrity wore what thing and now it's the trend that everyone should go out and buy. You know what I mean? Like there's so much more. And I mean, even when you think about sustainability and the conversation around that and media, a lot of times it's either, you know, what is sustainability? So here's our explanation of what sustainability is and how to shop. It. But there's so much more and so many layers to the conversation. And even like you said, talking about taking care of your clothes, so many people don't know what could be considered as, you know, basic garment care. They don't know these things. And it's even something as simple as like, you know, what a lot of people don't think about are synthetic fabrics and microplastics and how you're washing like your, you know, workout wear and things like that. And it's as simple as getting like 
a guppy bag or like not washing as much or, you know, things like that, where you're not constantly, you know, pushing those through the, the waterways and all of that all the time. I think it's just, you know, understanding the implications of what your purchase is and how you take care of those things can, you know, can really do. Like if something has a hole and you go to donate it, that ultimately ends up in the landfill. So the best thing you can do is really arm yourself with the information and like be an adult and take care of your adult purchases. That's what I always keep saying. It's like, you know, we spend a lot of money on clothes. And if you buy something that is of great quality and great value, whether it's, you know, brand new off the rack or secondhand, it will can be a purchase that can last mm-hmm. you a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. You just have to be responsible with it. Oh, for sure. And, you know, it's like everyone, when they're first introduced to sustainability, they always want to know how they can be more sustainable and what they can buy to be more sustainable. And I think that people don't realize that, you know, wearing what's in your closet, but also taking care of what's in your closet is really the most sustainable thing. So the landscape of modern media has changed a lot over the past couple of years. And while influencers and celebrities and social media stars are looked at at having a lot of influence over what we buy, I definitely think that media still has a level of power when it comes to influencing purchasing um, decisions and definitely when it comes to validating the validity of brands and specifically their sustainability claims. So with that in mind, I'm curious to know, do you think that it is the responsibility of media to fight greenwashing by thoroughly vetting brand sustainability claims? And do you think that the media should be held responsible or accountable to some degree for the rampant greenwashing that we're seeing? Oh my gosh, you know, I could like (laughs) go on and on and on about this one because it is really challenging. And I will say like, you know, this kind of goes back to almost the idea of like, you know, editors having kind of, I guess, a separation between the finished product and how it arrives to them to look at. And I think a lot of our, you know, our job as an editor is going to see finished product as it exists you're not really seeing the supply chain, who's sewing it, where the materials are coming from, you know, how the the garments being treated with chemicals and dyes and things like that. You're really not seeing that as an editor. You're saying like, this is a great thing and I like it or I don't. And I'm going to tell somebody about it or I'm not. Like that's basically, I think what a lot of modern media is, um, is re- you know, not necessarily responsible for, but that's sort of been their role. But the problem is, you know, if you're going to be telling people, yes, this is what's in, yes, we sh- we're behind this, yes, we're supporting this without knowing the rest about that piece of the product, there's going to be a disconnect. So I think that, you know, we talk about greenwashing a lot and you and I have had conversations about it as well. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, the information that a lot of media is, you know, is receiving is coming from the brands directly, which is kind of crazy because you're like, you know, if you don't know enough about about it and you're getting a press release and you're like, this has been made with less water or it's been made with dead stock materials or it's been made with this, you kind of are like, oh yeah, that all sounds pretty good. I guess it's better than the alternative, which is just something made traditionally in that way. So I guess like, yeah, we'll call that sustainable. But like, you know, I, I definitely think that editors kind of, we all need to sort of go to a boot camp that way and really, you know, 
lean on some experts because if you know i all consider us to all be experts but if you don't really know you know how to differentiate different levels of fabric or how something's produced or can call it you know this is better than that there's going to be disconnects for sure. And I don't think it's, it helps anyone to perpetuate something that, you know, you don't hundred percent know what you're talking about or hundred percent believe that this is something that's very good to lean in. Like, obviously we know like shopping secondhand is probably a lot better for the environment than shopping something brand new, but there are still a lot of factors that, you know, don't, that don't necessarily mean that you know, that is always the best, best, best option. And I also think that, you know, editors are also very, you know, concerned with reporting what's going on the runways and the, the idea of the luxury runways being this pinnacle of like where the new ideas and the information are coming from. But I think that's shifting a lot too, when you're seeing cool younger brands who are just kind of like, hey, we're operating on a small scale. This is our complete transparency of our supply chain. And I think that's something to pay attention to because a lot of these designer brands that, you know, we give so much credibility to aren't being as transparent with that information. And I think we need to start really asking the tough questions and figuring out why and actually being real journalists about it. And it's not necessarily reporting on what's beautiful and what colors in this, this season. I think we need to start reporting about what's really going on in this industry and what, you know, be responsible with the facts that we're pushing out. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. You know, you know that this is something that I'm always asking you about and we've talked about many times, but it just it just seems like, you know, when I watch old movies and old TV shows, the journalists in those movies and those TV shows, true, okay, it's fiction, whatever, but they were, you know, digging in garbage cans and sneaking into buildings and trying to find the hard-hitting facts or trying to find the truth about X, Y, Z. You know, they were trying to figure out what was really going on. And these days, it just seems like you get a press release with a couple bullet points and you write about it. You get a press release, you write about it. You get a press release, you write about it. But very rarely does it seem like people are asking questions. And that's not to say that I think that journalists should be digging around in trash. That's definitely (laughs) not what I'm saying. But I do wonder why we put so much trust in press releases, you know, especially when we know that a lot of brands these days, you know, when we're thinking about the bigger brands, there's a lot of marketing behind them, you know, And, and sometimes it's like, are you a fashion company or are you a marketing company? And so if you're thinking about, you know, the PR and the marketing that's behind some of these brands and some of these claims, as a journalist, it just seems like you would want to know is this actually what's happening or is this just your marketing pitch of what's happening? You know what I mean? Like, I just wonder what happened to asking questions. But, you know, I imagine that it has a lot to do with the change in media and the move online and how much content is being produced every single day. You know, if you're a journalist and you have 10 articles that you have to write, do you really have time to go dig in a trash can? Like, probably not. You're probably just going to go with whatever the press release says because you don't have time to go and, you know, really do investigative work to see if your circular collection is actually circular. Yeah, I I think it's, you know, it's hard, but I do think, you know, with um, the green guides being updated next year, I think that's, and I'm talking about the FTC's green guides where basically, you know, in terms of marketing kind of, I guess, helping with greenwashing and sort of Mm -hmm. setting parameters about what things you're allowed to communicate or not. And fashion really wasn't a part of the conversation the last time they were updated in, I think, 2012. Um, 
So next year, they're going to be looked at again, which is amazing. And I hopefully fashion will be part of that conversation. And I, you know, I hope to that this isn't the, you know, the end of it is just them looking at it and being like, okay, well, we can keep it going because the fashion is obviously a huge, you know, contributor to environmental damage with this industry. So hopefully there will be some regulation there, which will be amazing. And, you know, people will kind of keep their eyes a bit more open that way. But at the end of the day, it's very much like we have to all make a change and we have to just sort of like, I think, look at it very pragmatically and just say, hey, like, we're not going to, somebody wisely told me recently that we're not going to, you can't sustainably shop your way to being, you know, a more sustainable person, you're going to have to make choices and you're going to have to really consider your options. And I think brands are going to have to understand how to communicate that better. Mm -hmm. And I think just being honest as an editor and being honest as a person in the media and just saying, Hey, you know, I don't really feel comfortable talking about this capsule. I want to see when you guys actually make really big changes to your, you know, your regular supply chain and are these being implemented there and asking a bit of you know the hard questions because frankly I've so much feedback is like the brand representatives they're like I want to be able to tell this feedback from you back to our brand so either you know it can validate things that they've had conversations with the brands about and the brands maybe have thought but to understand that the media is also thinking about this is and consumers and we know that with consumers too obviously through social media, consumers have such a direct line to the brands and can really present honest feedback. And if, you know, if the media's, you know, pushing these questions and, you know, really asking, hey, I want to see better action here. I want to see changes. And the consumers are asking for it. They're going to have no choice but to make those changes. I remember the last time we talked about this, you had mentioned wanting to put together some sort of boot camp or class to help members of the media learn about sustainability and learn how to report on sustainability. Is that something that you're still interested in doing? It's something that I definitely wanted to put together while Marie Claire was at Hearst and recently we went through a change of ownership. So it's going to be something that I want to revisit. And I do think that there, I I'm, I'm curious and maybe hopefully could, you know, figure out where within the green guides fashion can sit and figure out ways in the media that, you know, we can understand that, that language in a, in a much stronger way. And I do think like, you know, going back to it is like really, I think going back to school, like not like physically, but maybe if you wanted to, but like, and really understanding how clothing and items are made and really understanding like, okay, what is a better fabric you know, what happens to this fabric at the end? What is a more durable fabric? And, you know, just things like that and understanding really like what's better than something else. And we all know fast fashion like is not great. So like, but is, you know, luxury even better? We don't know. Like, I think that, you know, there are so many, um, I don't know, missing, I, I think missing links between, you know, the finished product and how it arrives to us. And I think that, the media really needs to, I think, brush up on a bit of that too, to understand, you know, who, if we are really getting behind something, we have to get behind from it, you know, where it's, where it's the cotton is grown to when it comes to us and how it comes to us and ever, all those steps in between and really have an understanding of, you know, what it takes to just order something that we take for granted, I think, you know, mm -hmm. these things are also available to us, but there is a lot of process, you know, 
there's a ton of process that goes into all of these pieces. And a lot of that process is actually quite terrible for people and planet. So mm -hmm. I do think that we really need to start, um, I can take it back to basics that way. It seems like as someone that's writing about fashion, just in general, like just taking sustainability out of it, it seems like it would be really beneficial to know how a garment went from cotton on a you know farm to now a garment on the runway. I know it sounds crazy to say, but I do think that because the industry is so vast and there's so many brands and there's so much to cover, top to bottom, so many different price points, who's your consumer, all of those things to consider that that gets overwhelming and daunting that I think it's like, that's all that, you know, is presented in front of a lot of editors. And I don't think that, you know, if, if the industry was a bit smaller, maybe you would have a better idea of what a supply chain looks like from all of these brands and all of these things. But, mm -hmm. you know, I think for a while it was just more about consumption, consumption and figuring out like, and I think it's also increasingly becoming less and less about, I mean, we can call, we can call it personal expression. We can call it creativity. We can call it art, you know, as, and, you know, and we can call it all of that, but at the end of the day, we're, we're basically putting a veil on it and it's still just consumption and even overconsumption at points. So I do think we really need to examine like what we're doing here and where this stuff is coming from and how and how to you know interpret that. For sure. And I think the takeaway for anyone who may work in the media and is listening to this podcast is to ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask a ask a question about those bullet points that you <laughs> that you get in your emails. <laughs> So I'd love to switch gears and talk about how fashion brands, how sustainable fashion brands can pitch their brand to the media and get press. I can only imagine the massive amounts of emails that you receive on a daily basis from brands pitching themselves to you, from PR professionals pitching their clients to you. And I can only imagine that the pandemic has made it that much harder for both brands and PR folks to break through the noise of your crowded inbox. So I'm curious to know what gets your attention these days and what do you look for when thinking about a brand to cover? And I'm just going to throw this one in there too. Um, for smaller brands that may be listening, do you consider a brand's production ability before you decide to cover them? Is that something that you think about? Totally. Those are all really good questions. And I think let's kick it let's kick it off about, I guess, the pitches first. And then I want to go back. I definitely want to touch in on, um, you know, these smaller brands and things like that. Um, but first, I think that if you, if you're pitching something, really have your story, have your story be very straight. And I think a lot of, you know, I think brand representatives will try to fit into like, something happening in the ether, whether it's like, you know, like, Labor Day weekend style or something like that. I think it's like, you kind of have to break free from a bit of those things and trying to like relate to maybe what's happening trend-wise or things like that. I, I, I don't personally like edit that way. So I think I'd rather just hear about like, here's the brand, who's making it. I think now that's more important than ever and understanding, you know, who is the designer, what do they stand for? And 
I think, you know, if you're talking about sustainability, I will read basically anything that has <laughs> sustainable in the title, but whether, and then it's up to me to decide whether I think it does feel sustainable or not. So I think in terms of pitching, you know, something green focused, having that definitely like gets my attention only because I'm like, okay, if they're calling it sustainable, I want to take a look and see. But I definitely think that like as much transparency you can include about the brand is, is amazing because at the end of the day, I know so many brands get so, um, I guess like apprehensive about calling themselves green or sustainable. Like, I mean, we're not doing enough. Yeah, we're not doing yeah. it right. We don't want to communicate this until we feel really comfortable. But I, I do think it's like, show me the best steps that you've gotten to that point is if it's a capsule, maybe I have to depend. I have to see what the context of it is and understand like where, you know, why, why we're calling it a sustainable capsule, but also like understanding where it fits into the rest of the brand supply chain and the, the plans for the brand going forward, you know, cause I am always like, I love something that, you know, you can say is repurposed or remade from something else. But what about the things that you're producing from scratch? Like, mm -hmm. is that yeah. going to be put on halt? Are you going to shift this way? And I know maybe a capsule is a good way to test that out, but I would think it'd be more impressive to just sort of be like taking a stand and we're getting rid of this in lieu of this. And I think yeah. that would be super exciting to me. So, you know, as much information that you're able to share about a brand's plans going forward, you know, I think it's great. I think a lot of brands, you know, and this goes for many industries to say like, we want to X, Y, and Z by 2030. And it's like, those are great goals too. And I do like the idea that you're thinking of the future, but I definitely want to see, you know, as much transparency that you're able to present as possible to help me decide if it does feel right and, you know, valid enough for me to cover that way. Um, as far as smaller brands, you know, I've come from an accessory background and before that I, you know, was working for stylists. I'm a stylist myself. So, you know, I, I fashion comes from everywhere for, as far as I'm concerned. So for me, I love seeing, you know, smaller brands doing really cool things on Instagram. I felt like during the pandemic, I was on Instagram all the time because I wasn't going to press days or, you know, people weren't pitching as much because, you know, a lot of people kind of were furloughed and brands were having a pause and kind of figuring out where their approach was going to be. Mm -hmm. So Instagram became an amazing resource to kind of see really cool young designers like doing amazing stuff. And I, you know, I'm friends with so many freelance stylists who like, you know, dress celebrities and do amazing editorials. And they're always showing me really cool stuff that they get into kind of like, you know, like, like rabbit holes on their own Instagrams. And we're constantly sharing that information. So don't think that if you're a small brand, no one's going to notice or pay attention. And if you, you know, like an editor and you like their style, I think, you know, DM them and just be like, Hey, like, I feel like my brand could be good for you. And like, you know, but really consider that don't DM every single editor at every single publication, like hoping like, you know, something will stick. If you really think like you've seen my style or you've seen, you know, a work that I've done and you feel like your brand feels, you know, like it fits into my world, definitely DM me and, you know, be in, I mean, be careful what I wish for. I, I think it's I like, you know, say. <laughs> but, I, but I do learn, I learn about so many amazing people through that. And like, listen, don't, I'm, I'm going to do my best to go through everything, but I definitely love to really 
read as many emails as I possibly can. I found amazing brands, people I've worked with for years through just like a random email that we've never talked, we've never talked or worked together at all. And, you know, and it's, it's worked and it's been great. So I definitely think, you know, that is just never always shoot your shot, like be prepared to be disappointed. I'm not, everyone's going to get back to you and like, you know, do your best, but the people who, who will and believe in you, like, I think that that'll like, definitely, it'll definitely happen in some capacity, but I think just be smart about who you're reaching out to and really, you know, make sure you're not just grasping at straws and, you know, writing to everybody, think about your best fit and where you, you know, or where you think, you know, your, your brand would be amazing. But I also, um, you know, we work at, um, at Marie Claire, we do a lot of, you know, shopping galleries online. And we also have a great column um, called uh, uh, Small Business Spotlight that, you know, great. I try to kind of like keep it on like cool Instagram brands that I like. And I always want to make sure that people that we're featuring, you know, understand like, hey, I don't want to overwhelm you by featuring you on like a large scale like this. Cause like, I don't want you to feel like you can't fulfill the need or like, you know, whatever. But I think for the most part, most people are kind of like, you know, consumers are understanding if you're a small brand, like how you're going to get things to them. I mean, I hope they are, but I know I am when I shop from smaller brands. And I think that, you know, if we'll work together on it and make sure like, you know, if you're somebody who like, you know, upcycles cool stuff and you do kind of like work in drops, like I want to make sure that we like align around a drop or, you know, things like that to make sure that we're working together and I'm not going to kind of put you in a hole by, you know, blowing you up and, you know, and things like that. So I think that, um, I mean, I'm, I love small brands. I love cool brands. I love people who are upcycling and being really creative about things that are being repurposed. I think all of that is definitely going to really kick off in the next year or two if it hasn't really already. So, you know, for all those upcyclers out there, like keep doing your thing and just keep on being super creative and smart about how you're, how you're designing. And I think people will really take notice. Oh yeah. I've seen a lot of really cool upcyclers lately and it makes me wish that I had more, more talent when it comes to sewing (laughs) and being creative like that. So I thought it would be fun to play a game and we're going to call it do's and don'ts. When you Google how to pitch the media, there are all these lists and like do's and don'ts that pop up. And mm-hmm. so I thought it'd be kind of fun to go through some of these do's and don'ts and get your opinion oh, on if yeah. they truly are do's or don'ts and <laughs> what you're totally. It's like I've never looked this up. So yeah. I'm actually really <laughs> curious. And like I feel like I'm on par with how a lot of people work. We all talk, all the editors talk, and we all like, you know, go, you know, compare notes on how people are pitching and things like that. And sometimes there's emails that are flops and they go to a group chat, not in a mean way, but more of just like a, you know, a kind of like what sort of way, but you know, I'm going to have to be mindful of my emails. So I don't end up in that group, in that group chat. (laughs) Um, Okay. Let's get into this. So the first do is do pitch the correct person. Don't send your pitch to a general inbox because you will likely not get a response and it will not be forwarded to the correct person. Um, yes, I would say this is true because I think that sometimes like if someone pitches me and like I, you know, I think nowadays a lot of editors are kind of like covering all sorts of market. I obviously 
um, come from an accessory side. So, you know, I would kind I would get a, a little bit annoyed when people are sending me things that aren't really accessory related or asking me to go to an event that doesn't produce accessories. I'm kind of like, you know, the accessories market is massive because we have probably like, I think 10 to 12 categories of what we're covering from jewelry, fine jewelry, shoes, hats, gloves, like all those things mm-hmm. that we have kind of like our own problems outside of like runway shows of just clothes and people who do not produce accessories. So that can get really overwhelming. So I think if you know, somebody specifically covers jewelry, like that's who you should talk to if you're a jewelry designer. Like if you're going to talk to the woman who's like the editor in chief, she's probably not going to see it. Like, you know, I think there are people like, as you kind of go further up the ranks, like, you know, you're not always reading every single pitch. You're not always covering shopping galleries in the same way. So, you know, look at who I would say, like, you know, look at the website and see who covers what, you know, if some people are always covering, you know, um, jewelry trend stories, like, definitely talk to that person. If someone's just covering celebrity, like don't include them in fashion pitches because most times they're not going to always forward it to me. And I think that, I don't think it's something that you want to send a huge net to every single person at the magazine. But sometimes, you know, the girls from the features department will send me something, Hey, this is fashion related. What do you think? And I can make a choice from there, but I think just be smart and really pay attention to who's writing what online and what stories that you would want to be featured in and make sure you definitely hit them up. So don't pitch Anna Wintour if you want to be featured in Vogue. Noted. (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned this a little earlier, so I think I already know your thoughts on this one. For me, it's a hard don't slide in my DMs to get my attention about anything. (laughs) Uh, But it sounds like for you, uh, it's a do. Is that, is that true? I would say it's okay because I do think sometimes it's an easier way than like finding my email. I don't have my work email on my Instagram. Maybe I should, but that also is like, (laughs) just adds to the inbox, you know, and it's kind of like nice to keep it separate. Some people do have that information just be like, Hey, if you're pitching, send to my work email, it's here. But, um, you know, I think it is, I would say yay for me. I don't really get as many DMs. I think as like a lot of my friends who, you know, are influencers or have like a really big following and they, it's very, very difficult to go through that. And I do think that like, as much as I use Instagram as a tool for like market and finding really amazing designers through that too. And like have an amazing like saved folder that's like jewelry designers or things like that. Um, you know, it does, it, it, it's your personal space. And I will share a story of like, I was like on vacation, like right before fashion week, which is the, probably the worst time for me to go on a vacation, but I had no choice. And I actually like my, I worked a lot of the vacation, which is no one's fault. It was my own, but there was just too much to do. And it was just, the timing was bad. However, you know, to have somebody acknowledge, Hey, I got your out of office. Can you please come to this? And it's like, I'm out of office. You know, that means I'm on vacation. Yeah. Get out of my DMs that yeah. way. I think that's just a, like, and you know, at that point, it's like, I know the fashion week is coming up. I'm not purposely ignoring you, but like, I'm also overwhelmed. It's we're in a pandemic. I'm coming back to society and like, you know, kind of picking and choosing what I want. But like, you know, I'm to slide in my DMs that way. I just thought that was kind of like, hey, take a pause. Like, if you got my out of office, you know, 
I'll get back to you or I won't. And that's sort of what it is. But Mm -hmm. I don't mean to be abrupt that way. I just think it's like, read the room, take the temperature. If you can see that someone had like, you know, a traumatic day and like, we're sharing it on their stories, probably not the best time for a pitch. Like, I think, you know, take, just take inventory and every context is everything. So just, you know, check the temperature and make sure you're not pitching on a day that someone is, you know, having a bad time or something like that too, because then they're definitely not going to see it. My next do was do familiarize yourself with the journalist and the person that you're pitching. And it sounds like we are aligned in that one. (laughs) Absolutely. And also like, you know, I think sometimes it's cute if they're like, hey, like, I saw in your stories, like you were, you know, talking about this. That's really cool. And like people like write that into me. And I, I think that's nice. I think that feels like, you know, they're engaging in like, the content I'm, you know, putting out, whether it's a story that I wrote for MarieClaire.com or like something going on on my, you know, my own personal social media. But I do think it's nice to feel like, oh yeah, you are following me and you understand like what I'm going through and like what I'm working on. And like, that's great. It's not just like, oh yeah, you do accessories. You must know about this, you know, this accessory, which is fine. Like, of course that's my job, but like, there isn't something nice about personalization, but like not in a creepy way where it's like, you know, I saw you were with your mom. Like that was cute. I'm like, stop talking about my mom. It's nothing to do with us, but it's more like, you know, like, oh, I saw that, you know, you were covering your fashion week. You're in town. Like, that's cool. If you're around, drop by to this thing, like that works too. And like, even when I was in LA, so many people reached out and was like, Hey, if you want to meet up, let me know. No pressure, blah, blah, blah. But at least it's like, I know that you're seeing me and you're trying to find a good opportunity and whether I'm available or not, at least, you know, you're putting yourself out there and it definitely gets my attention that way too. Mm -hmm. So this one, I'm not really sure about because I would have said, do pitch a story or a angle that is relevant and timely and fits in with what the readers of that publication would be interested in. But you mentioned earlier that you don't like it when it's timely, like if they're talking about Labor Day sales around Labor Day. So what what do you think? I would say always yes. I just sometimes think it's like reaching when like, you know, like, I don't know, I guess it's like, there's always going to be Labor Day sale or Valentine's Day or things like that. But like, I think at that point, like, we kind of already are like knowing that's what's happening. Like, so people have already started working on it. And I don't think like, I'm like, oh, a Valentine's Day pitch. I didn't even think about Valentine's Day, but some people might work that way. Like, I don't know. I can't speak for everyone, but I do think, you know, if, if you're like, Hey, this is really timely, whether it's like, if we're talking about, I don't know what, Earth Day or something. Yeah. Earth Day is always a good time, I think, to talk about it. But I also think it's like, think about what would make your brand really stand out if you are knowing that like Earth Day is coming up. Like, you know, you could kind of be like, hey, like this is a very like exclusive run happening only for Earth Day. Or there's like a huge charitable initiative. Like to me, like I, I always think that's interesting too, just to make sure that we're, you know, kind of talking about something that we should be giving a lot of attention to and something pegged with a charitable, you know, charitable aspect or something like that, or even, you know, mentoring or something like that feels like a give back, like there's nothing wrong with, you know, blowing that up because I do think like we want to, you know, you know, put that out there as well. So speaking of timely, when should brands start sending over 
ideas for the holidays, like holiday gift guides or just to be featured? When should those start hitting your, your inbox? I think, um, I think just send it any time to be honest. Cause I think it's like, you know, there's always gift guides and that even if it's just not holiday, like there, we do like, you know, great birthday gift guides, mother's day, like, you know, gifts, gifts for best friends. Like there's so many things that people search for that, you know, they're always happening. So I, I think just send it anytime. Like people are going to see it, but don't, I mean, but know that you're not the only one doing this. So like, there's going to be like tons of people competing for that space, but I definitely think like, you know, showing a clear PDF about like what your offerings are so people can quickly scan is that's really helpful. And then making sure you have all those assets ready to go, like product mm -hmm. shots on white, obviously for digital, this is not like new information, but it definitely helps. I, I think a lot of people, you know, a lot of websites, they want their, um, images to look really uniform when you have a gallery and like you can scroll and that's all on white because if it's not, or if it's like on model, it kind of stands out against like things that are just flat lays. So I think like if you're a smaller brand, like it, it would, I think, benefit you to make sure you have those images of flat lays on white, just so you're playing in the same space as everyone else. Um, because I know sometimes it's expensive to do a photo shoot and you want to do it on a model because you want to, you know, you want to show your product of how it fits online. But I do think like it would benefit you to make sure you get, you know, flat lays as well. If you've, you have one day and one day of a photographer and one day to shoot it, definitely get those images because I know like it can make or break sometimes being included in an article or not. If you don't feel like it's looking uniform for the site, because most times like the editors, I'm putting my own pictures in and making sure that that looks good in the story. And like, it's very rare to have like a photo editor, like cut it out and make sure it's on white. So if you mm -hmm. do that groundwork for the, for the brands visually, like you're already one step ahead. Mm. All right. So the next one is don't write a novel. Keep your, <laughs> keep your pitch to about two to three paragraphs. I'm really curious about this one because you mentioned earlier that um, folks should put as much information as possible in the pitch. But I don't know. I guess you would just have to practice being concise. But it's like, how much information could you put in there for two to three paragraphs if you're, you know, trying to include everything, right? I feel like that would be really long two paragraphs. So should the focus be on including as much information as possible and being concise in those two to three paragraphs? Or should they share just enough information that gets you interested? And if so, then you'll reach out and then they can share additional information at that point. Like how should they approach how much information to put into their pitch? What I like is sometimes just a, like a very small paragraph about like when it's launching, what it is, like where it's going to be available, how much it is, and like, you know, when it's launching is probably the most important information. But if there's like, you know, more specific background about like what the design process was or like what the inspiration was or whatever, and there's like a press release, attach that because then that way, like you're already providing the information because the back and forth I find really is like, you know, editors, we're all like, I mean, we're pressed to like always be cranking out content and it's happening really fast. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes it's like, yeah, give me the most crucial, like, you know, straight up information. So if I just want to include it in their shopping story, I have like enough to write like, you know, a one liner blurb about it. And also like, I know the price, I know when it's going up and you know, when I can do all of that. Um, but I think if I, you know, if you're writing, 
it's like in a story or, you know, something else, or you're writing about that as like a news story, like if it's a collaboration or something like then just send a press release. Cause then it has all information. If it, you know, there's a quote from the designer, if there's part of like the inspiration, like it's all there, but I think sometimes seeing it in the big long email, it's kind of daunting. So I think like, I would always attach a press release if you have, if you can, because that way it's sort of like choose your own adventure, like have the <laughs> crucial information in the body of the email with the images. And then what I also hate is when people like don't put the images in the body and then want you to download it. I'm sorry. That's a personal pet peeve of mine because then I'm like, well, what's the jewelry? And then I have to like download it. And if I don't like it, then I'm like, oh, now I have to delete it off the desktop or whatever. No, no offense. I'm just, it's an editor. I'm editing, you know, like whatever. But like, I think it's one of those things where it's like, just even just like a, a quick little PDF that like, you know, has like the top your, you know, your top priority items, just like in the body that you can do a quick stand and be like, Oh, that's cute. And then, you know, if you have a link to the high res, that's even better. Cause then, you know, I can, I can pull it from there. Um, so I think just be armed with the information. And if there is a link to a Dropbox or something like that, feel free to include it just so like, there isn't that back and forth or like if someone's on a deadline, you're like, I need to get back. I need, I need to like add this really fast. Like they have the information ready to go. Mm -hmm. Make sure you have, you're armed with all the information. And, you know, even if it's like a quick, like low res snapshot of just the pieces and then a link to the high res, that's amazing because then you're like, Oh, seen it, scanned it. I like it. Can I, oh, I can download it right here. Bing, bang, boom. I'm ready to roll. You know, like I think yeah. that's the best. Yeah. All right. So my next one is quite possibly the most important out of all of this, because if you don't do this right, nothing else matters. And that is the subject line. Um, do oh, write. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. So it's do write a compelling subject line. Do you like the subject lines that get straight to the point? Do you like the ones that are kind of funny or the ones that are like clickbaitish? I guess no one really likes those ones, but what kind of subject line do you like? What gets your attention? I'm sorry. I know this is going to burst a lot of bubbles in the PR world, so I'm sorry. I do not like a funny or like I don't like a funny <laughs> subject line. I just don't. I don't think it's a joke. I think it's like <laughs> I think it's silly and I read so many emails and like I I mean, also like, I love to laugh. I like, I like to be funny, but like, I think there's a time or place. And I think sometimes like, I hate a, like a funny gif in an email. I hate like noted something silly. <laughs> Some people might, I just, for me, I'm kind of like emails on a place. I want to like hang out and chat, you know, emails <laughs> a place I'm like, I got to get through this. I want to be fast. And I think just as straightforward as possible, if it's a launch, tell me it's a launch. If it's an embargo, put it in the thing and put it in the subject. If it's, you know, like I think a collaboration, put it in the subject, like whatever it is, think about what am I pitching? Mm -hmm. You know, if it's like a new, um, you know, like again, I've launched a launch. It's always a launch, but like, I, I don't know what else, if it's like a charitable initiative, if it's like, you know, I don't, I don't know if somebody wore something like put it in the subject. Cause it's like, you know, people love celebrity style too. And like, if you know, a celebrity wore it, like that's helpful because in that way also like, you know, if it's a celebrity that does particularly well on someone's site, I don't really do a ton of celebrity fashion coverage. It's not really my forte, but you know, I know that like certain brands are like, Hey, or I mean like uh, media brands are like, Oh, like let's say Selena Gomez is like so popular with our readers. It's just so great on our Instagram. Like 
Gucci warrior thing, like definitely know who covers her a lot and definitely make sure that you're putting that in the pitch. So mm. I would say, keep it simple. I mean, if you want to be funny and you have a good really, I don't know if you want to be funny. Sure. But like <laughs> I, I, to me, it doesn't, it doesn't like impress me. And I don't mean to be harsh. I am a funny person, trust and believe, but I just feel like email is a place I want to get in and out as fast as possible and get to business. Like, I don't need time for games. <laughs> All right. So everyone take note. <laughs> if you're Sorry, guys. Julia. I don't, we don't, I don't want to break any hearts <laughs> there, but I'm like, I don't know. I feel like that's just my, my, uh, my personal preference. I mean, it's totally understandable. Everyone, everyone has their thing. Like you were saying earlier that you don't mind if people slide in your DMs for me, for the love of God, Please stop. Stop DMing me. Like if you have something that you want to say business wise, email me, you know, business is done through email, not through Instagram. But, you know, it's like everyone has their own thing. And I think it's challenging because some people are OK with it. Some people are not. And it just it just makes it like confusing. But yeah, everyone everyone has their own thing where it's like, yay, yes. I like this. But no, don't do that. Yes. <laughs> do and that. I also think, you know, for for editors too, like if you're listening to this, like give your feedback, like, you know, let people know, because then I think, you know, that's all feedback is good. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you're like, Hey, the best way to approach me is through email, like then email, don't follow up in a DM. I think it's like, they've set the boundary of like, get out of here, email me. <laughs> so don't keep doing and it. And that's that. And so don't keep doing it. Like, it's just like, I want to like chit chat about something silly in my Instagram. Like, that's the thing. I'll put it this way. Like email is like business. Mm -hmm. Instagram is like, that's fun. It's personal. I'm having a good time. Mm -hmm. If you were like, Hey, I just happen to love your account and I want to show you my jewelry line. Sure. If you're like, you know, want or asking for coverage or asking for something specific and want my attention that way, put in an email. Like I can only promise so much on my Instagram, but that's sort of where I spend a lot of my leisure time. So mm -hmm. Let me be leisurely in there. Don't yeah. make me, don't make me work. <laughs> well, I'm going to make you work because I have one more question <laughs> for you and it is don't continue to send follow-up emails. If you get three, no responses. I think so. I would say almost even two, I would say, cause sometimes things just get lost in the shuffle and that's happened to me. And I've been like, Oh my gosh, thank you for pinging this back up. Like I definitely missed it on the day I was dealing with something else or whatever, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. But like, I would say two, I three, if it's like super urgent or if they've expressed interest in it, or, you know, you are working on something and then if someone falls off, like you have that dis that discourse already, like maybe, but like, I think, two is kind of like, you know, get the message, you know, like I would say, and I, yes, I would say if you don't hear twice, I think maybe you can let that one go and catch them next time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Catch them next time. <laughs> I mean, it depends. Like, I think it's like, also like if you were working for somebody who's really high pressure and they're demanding a lot and they really want a result, like you gotta be desperate. You gotta be desperate. I get it. Like do what you can, but, um, but don't, you know, put so much weight in that third email. I would right. say. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Maybe just Listen. think about your next pitch. <laughs> so I'm just being honest. I really no, don't want to hurt good. anyone's feelings or approaches, no. but like, this is just my personal experience. Honestly, I think people want to know because if their goal is to get press and they're doing things and they're not getting those results, they're not getting press, then, you know, right. you gotta, you gotta edit the approach. Exactly. <laughs> well, those are all the do's and don'ts that I have for you. Oh, 
So this has been so fun. I love going down that list. I feel like, yeah, I wish I had any other pointers. I just think it's like, have everything you need, like be as buttoned up as possible. So you're prepared to get back to somebody right away with exactly what they need. Mm -hmm. And like, we love a fast response. So like, just make sure like during the work week that like, if someone's asking you back to your pitch, just be ready, ready, ready to roll. You have Mm -hmm. all your assets and any questions that, you know, a journalist may have, like you have it ready at hand to just knock it out. I'm sure that's PR 101. I'm not telling you anything new, but like a swift response goes miles. That's definitely good advice to keep in mind. So are you going to be swiftly going to another fashion show that was really corny? Ah, that was terrible. (laughs) I am off to a presentation. It's a brand that I have followed on Instagram for a little while. And I think it's their first presentation. They just did a takeover on Marie Claire's Instagram. It's House of Ama. I just blowing them up on here. They're very very cute. So I'm, it's very close by to where I'm staying. So I'm going to bop over there quickly, hopefully before it closes. And then a few other shows I have like some gaps in the evening, but then it's my, my last show at 9 PM. So I know people really love to pack it in. So it'll be fun. It'll be fun. I just think today I really needed like a bit of a reset. Um, and hopefully this weekend is, um, it's going to be busy, but I'm, I'm going to do my best. Nice. Well, enjoy the rest of New York Fashion Week and then off to, you said not London, but Milan and Paris, right? Yes, that nice. is the plan. Hopefully if like, I don't know, like they don't shut borders down or things yeah. like that. We take it all day by day. Right, so right. hopefully it'll, it'll go off without a hitch. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It should be interesting, but we do have a little PTSD from like being in Paris and Milan, like right when COVID was really ramping up in Europe and people were like leaving early from shows. A lot of the U S representatives to like the European brands, like didn't send people. And that's when it gets like freaky because you're like, you're not sending U S press to like, you know, I mean, representatives to the shows, like that's that's a big big deal. deal. So it definitely had a weird ominous feeling then. And it's sort of, I'm getting a little bit of shit. I don't feel like we're out of the weeds yet. So like Mm -hmm. I'm getting shades of that as I go. So I'm trying to keep the anxiety level at a minimum and just pace myself and do my best and try to enjoy this time and not have it feel like I'm not trying to feel uncomfortable or things like that. And it is really nice to catch up with everybody and see people after such a long period away. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. But uh, cool. Well, sending positive vibes your way. Thank you so much. I'm absorbing (laughs) all of them. I need as much as possible. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to subscribe to the podcast and rate and review and follow us on Instagram at the sustainable fashion forum to see what episodes are coming up next.